0: It's the Emeritus with Kim Munson. The most important stories.
1: That seems to me like government is establishing a religion.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights.
0: And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead.
1: Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force.
0: It's the Americans dissecting issues as right versus wrong. Instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation.
1: Indeed, let's have a conversation. I am Kim Munson and welcome to the show. We've got a lot to talk about today. We'll be going through some headlines in segments one and two. In segment three and four, segments three and four, we will be talking with Wayne Weingarten. He's with the Pacific Research Institute. And he has done analysis. Uh, of electric vehicles and just their impact on both the economy and on the environment. And this is very important because starting today down at Colorado's Air Quality Control Commission, there will be meetings uh, and public comment and comment from interested parties uh, regarding regulations to try to push Coloradans into uh, the California mandates on electric vehicles. And... um, I'm going to try to go down there tonight, Steve. Uh, and Public comment, I think, is noon to 3 today and 6 to 8. I can't get down there until this evening, but uh, I intend to go down and, and try to make it anyway to make some comments on that so that it's on the record. Because freedom of mobility, the freedom for people to choose the vehicle that works best for them or the mode of transportation that works best for them, In a free and fair market, you know, you always bring me back. I think I make this assumption that folks would realize that I am not opposed to wind or solar or electric vehicles or any of those kinds of things. What I'm concerned about is the public policy makers, the politicians, the bureaucrats, the interested parties, the PBIs, that they use both carrots and sticks. They've been using carrots to try to push people out of the vehicles of their choice into the vehicles of the PBI's choice. And uh, now uh, the carrot hasn't totally worked. They're not getting the the numbers they want. And so we're going to start to see the, the stick coming. And that's what these meetings are going to be about. Steve?
0: Yeah, when the carrot fails, uh, bring out the stick. And uh, the the other half of this, this disclaimer that we're putting out there, yours is the policy side. My uh, first thoughts take me to if what it is they're pushing is not ready to go yet it's the the technology is not mature it's not totally efficient effective type of thing and yet they're they're going to push us to it anyway who cares let's just keep you know driving driving the train down this track and even if there's uh maybe no track left you know in another couple of miles or uh you know the it's just Ultimately, it always ends up raising the cost of doing, doing whatever it is you're talking about. And you're thinking, what was the push to get here?
1: Well, reducing the co- or increasing the cost and reducing the options is what happens. And really what we're talking about is freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Do, do we want to have the freedom to be able to drive the vehicle of our choice? Or uh, are the PBIs, the politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties going to use force to push us into modes of transportation that uh, are not optimum for us. And so socialism is force. It's important to remember that. Ultimately, it comes down to force. We've seen the carrot with with all of the tax, um, income tax credits, and that hasn't gotten uh, the results that they wanted, and so we're going to be looking at force now. And the question on the table is, you felt good, but did you do good? So it's going to be a very important conversation with Wayne wine garden in uh, segments 3 and 4 and we we talk about the socialism, socialism socializing of uh, these important aspects of our lives that make our lives better that's transportation education energy housing water and the more that government gets involved in those picking winners and losers the more expensive it becomes for the everyday middle class there and uh, and it it actually Socialism uh, it believes in equity, but th- but the equity doesn't bring people up. It has to bring people down to a point where you get haves and have-nots. So uh, important conversations. We hope that as we have these conversations, it empowers you to think about these ideas, to be able to engage in thoughtful, reasonable conversations with your family, your neighbors, your colleagues, uh, so that we can move this needle to freedom versus force, because ultimately, force doesn't work out very well and so thank you to producer steve steve i greatly appreciate you zach patty keith charlie for your support your good work in keeping this train on the track so thank you very much and to our listeners thank you so much for listening be sure and tell your friends about this you are each valued and treasured and uh, you have a purpose And uh, we value you immensely. And and I think many of you know this, but the show is replayed uh, from 10 to 11 p.m. as well. So if you have colleagues that say, hey, I'm not up at 6 a.m., uh, we always have our podcast. You can go to my website, americhicks.com, and check that out. Be sure and sign up for my emails. We'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests and topics. But you can also listen to the show again if you want from 10 to 11 p.m., or you can let... uh, Folks know that they can uh, listen at that time of day. <laughs> You're smiling, Steve. You're Mr. Morning. <laughs>
0: oh, no, don't go there. Uh, I'm just thinking, I wish we, this camera that Rush to Reason has you know, for their show, we need to get it going for our show. Because what you just did, as you were addressing the listeners, we sit on the east side of the city in a 12-story building. And as you were addressing the listeners, I don't know if you noticed or not, you turned and looked out the window. So I think that's your Toastmasters thing coming through.
1: I guess that must be it because... That's, that was very cool. Uh, I look out there and I'm wishing you all a really, really good day. So first thing, uh, we're going to be talking about electric vehicles a lot today. So I thought, ah, how about for our our quote and our inspiration, we'll go to Thomas Edison. Thank and you. he says... Good choice. We often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. <laughs>
0: Truer words have never been spoken.
1: That's for sure. So I have three little funnies for you. I hope you like them.
0: You know, I need a sound effect for for corn. Uh, Unfortunately, corn doesn't make a noise or I could run it. But these are three of the corniest things I think you've ever come up with. But go ahead.
1: (laughs) Okay. My friend told me how electricity is measured, and I was like, what? (laughs) 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 My electrician friend accidentally blew the power to the ice-making factory Now they've gone into liquidation. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, if you plant, Steve, if you plant a light bulb in your garden, does it grow into a power plant? (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. Let's go to some news. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some national stuff. Uh, First thing, uh, Elizabeth Warren tweeted out on Friday. Five years ago, Michael Brown was murdered by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. Michael was unarmed, yet he was shot six times. I stand with activists and organizers who continue to fight for justice for Michael. We must confront systematic racism and police violence head-on. But many people responded, including Cheryl Atkinson, who we've had on the show. She said, with respect, this is false and a persistent misconception. The Obama Justice Department ultimately determined Brown was not murdered and likely did not have his hands up when shot. The Obama Justice Department declined to charge the officer with anything. Two, the Obama Justice Department ultimately ruled that many witnesses who had claimed in the media without challenge that Brown's hands were up and other claims were not reliable. Three, the Obama Justice Department determined that Brown likely did reach into the police vehicle and grab the police officer. There was evidence backing that up while there was no evidence backing the claim that Wilson grabbed at Brown. Four, the Obama Justice Department ruled that the officer appeared to fire at Brown in self-defense. Five, the Obama Justice Department ruled that Brown was apparently charging at the police officer when Brown was shot. Six, it's understandable that so many don't know these details because they were not well reported in the press when the Obama Justice Department report came out a year later. You know, it's funny how that works out, Steve. <clears throat> however, it,
0: <laughs> There's the old narrative thing again.
1: Yeah, the narrative's out there.
0: The facts just get in the way of our narrative.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, said, however, it could be harmful to all to perpetuate misinformation. She said, seven, the Washington Post did headline the fact that the Obama Justice Department determined Brown's hands were probably not raised after all. And number eight, uh, this was the Obama Justice's... Uh, department's final conclusion supporting the police officer's account versus the narrative that was carried uh, on the news and sparked the protest nine it's not to say there aren't issues of racism and or bad policing because they are there are but it is inaccurate to use michael brown as an example according to the obama justice department so let's go back to elizabeth warren's tweet let's it is untrue it is, it, she is pushing a narrative out there that has been disproven. She's pushing this narrative because she doesn't have anything on policy. She's pushing the narrative because uh, the only way that she believes that she can beat Donald Trump is by calling him a racist. But I just pulled up uh, black unemployment is at its lowest. There is uh, this was a piece. This is actually back in 2018. And this was in the Washington Post. It was by Heather Heather Long. And you know what's so interesting to me, Steve, is when I Google, like, black unemployment, you know, we, 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 we have this idea that we have news immediately at our fingertips. But it, it was a number of old articles that, that come up. I really do think that, um, you know, I think the algorithms many times do not give us the latest news. But yet this was good news. This was uh, back in 2018. And said that black unemployment fell to 6.8 percent in December, the lowest ever recorded by the U.S. Labor Department. You know, I guess I need to think about this. Oh no, okay. Uh, since it began tracking the black unemployment rate in 1972. Now, first of all, don't you find that interesting? That before 1972, which you know we're just coming off of off of the 60s that that we didn't uh, track that we didn't look at people as groups and then track that unemployment Um, but you know we were starting to move us into groups but economists say it's the sign the recovery from the great recession is finally starting to help says during the aftermath of the financial crisis black unemployment soared to 16.8 percent in 2010 now who was president during that time
0: Go on. Everyone knows the answer to that one. Okay,
1: Meaning that one out of every six African-Americans were looking for a job but could not find one. The rate has steadily declined since, breaking the prior all-time low of 7% that was set back in 2000. Okay, so if Donald Trump is truly a racist... Then would he uh, would he be working to get black unemployment to its uh, lowest rate, or would he just you know, would he just uh, throw his hands up and let it stay at sixteen point eight? i mean, and and then for for Elizabeth Warren to use this narrative from five years ago that has been disproved by the Obama Justice Department to push forward a narrative. My friends, uh, we have got to push back on these narratives when we're talking with people because these candidates that are running for president on the Democrat ticket, uh, they do not want us to come together. They are hoping that, in fact, this economy starts to falter because uh, if the economy is doing well, they realize that Donald Trump will probably be reelected. And so that's why they're fomenting this division and, um, and and I really think that they're taking race relations and uh, that they're moving them backwards instead of moving forward, Steve.
0: Well, back to Liz Warren. I don't get it. What is to be gained? I mean, either a question to her or her handlers, what is to be gained by bringing up this particular thing? Again, that it's dated. But is this, this further proof that, you know, their mantra right now should be, we don't got nothing.
1: <laughs> well, that's why she's bringing, bringing it up. You just answered your question. Yeah, so. okay,
0: well.
1: <laughs> Let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to go through some more headlines. There's a lot going on out there. Uh, Donald Trump did something that I think is just really, really interesting. And so uh, we'll tell you about that when we get back.
2: Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that.
3: But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every fantasy league gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooters
2: style. Book now at Hooters.com football. That's Hooters.com
3: football. See you at Hooters.
4: All Americhick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Americhicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at Americhicks.com. That's Americhicks.com.
3: Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Waters Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at Americhicks.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to The Ameritics with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, it looks like Donald Trump just slowed down something instead of uh, having it in the fast lane, and that is, um, this is from Fox News, the Trump administration boosts the ability to deny green cards to immigrants using welfare programs. Said the Trump administration yesterday issued this long-awaited rule strengthening the ability of federal officials to deny these green cards to immigrants deemed likely to rely on government aid. Officials described the so-called public charge rule as a way to ensure those granted permanent residency are self-sufficient and protect taxpayers in the process. The principle driving it is an old American value, and that's self-sufficiency, U.S. citizenship, uh, Citizenship and Immigration Services Acting Director Ken Cuccinelli told Fox News in an interview, it's a core principle, the American dream itself, and it's one of the things that distinguishes us and it's central to the legal history in, U- in the United States back into the 1800s. Now, you know, see, we have this big conversation regarding immigration. And, and uh, I think that it gets clouded because... It it used to be in America that people, when they came to America, they needed to have a sponsor and they needed to be able to show self sufficiency. What has happened is uh, that we now have a number of NGOs, non governmental organizations, that have started to serve as those sponsors. Uh, An example is Lutheran Family Services. And uh, I I know for a fact, because I was on the board, that many times these folks that are coming in, they actually have been, uh, staff has helped them to uh, navigate getting onto Medicaid, um, cash assistance, rent assistance, you know, a variety of these different programs. And uh, that is really antithetical to the American idea of self-sufficiency. And then you also take a look at, I just saw the headline yesterday that uh, the deficit, I think was it was significant again, and you know we're we're bumping up around twenty three trillion dollars in debt. This doesn't work to have people come in and live on the government uh, or the taxpayer. If people are going to come in, they need to be able to be self-sufficient. And so this is something that needs to be addressed. Congress really needs to address this whole immigration question, but we've seen on both sides of the aisle that uh, they're they're not doing that. The other thing about it, that is is somewhat frustrating as many of these people do come in and work however we've made the cost of labor we've made the cost uh for people to or for employers to employ people to the labor costs are so high that uh in essence bringing in this other labor that then is subsidized by government programs uh you can see some of the big businesses on both sides of the aisle have liked that idea so i think that this is really a big deal that Trump is um, uh, boosting the ability to deny green cards if people are coming in and they're living on uh, on government assistance. Steve, what do you think?
0: Well, how much? Yes, they're coming and they're they're obviously doing the work. But how much of that work is kind of under the table work? Uh, well, that's are, a good point too. Are the wages that they're being paid are they tax subject to taxation? Uh, you and. Just making the system work the way it's supposed to work and the way the rest of the nation has to abide by.
1: Well, and you know and to that point, so if you have one employer that has this this kind of labor that you just mentioned and maybe paying you know some of it under the table, and then you've got the employer over here that is playing by all the rules, and his labor costs are so significantly more. And then many times you'll see consumers, that they are looking for the lower price. And so it sets up, it, it makes it really difficult for American business when uh, we're bringing folks in. And then just the fact that then the taxes that we pay are being used then to subsidize this as well. So I think this is a big deal that uh, Trump is doing now.
0: Yeah, I like the the, the the usage of the word value. This is a value of ours. It's like, What? <laughs> Do those things still exist? Uh, do we still value the values? I, I, I appreciate that.
1: Well, and you know, somebody said I was talking to somebody this weekend, and now I can't remember who it was. It might have been Patty, but I'm not sure that uh, that, um, that 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 actually bringing these folks in. That uh, you know, no, I know I heard it on the radio. That's what it was. Is because when we look at black unemployment, that is coming down and and you're starting to see more and more support for donald trump in the black community and that has typically been a voting block that uh, democrats have looked to and they felt that that consistently they would vote democrat but as you're starting to see the economy get better in the black community they're realizing that they may be losing that, that voting block. So that's one of the reasons why they're, you know, so focused on this illegal immigration. And then, of course, getting um, illegal immigrants driver's license so that they can get registered to vote. Now, they assure that that's not going to happen, but you know what? I don't believe that. And so then they're trying to bring in this other voting block and then to be bringing this block in that, in essence— we are subsidizing with our tax dollars you know it that's just not good for america steve so uh, i think that's really important one other thing i wanted to hit and this was in the complete color in complete colorado it says uh, the ability of coloradans to vote on any particular piece of legislation is dictated by the safety clause it's tucked away at the end of a bill and the safety clause represents a determination by lawmakers that the bill is necessary for the immediate preservation of the public peace, health, or safety, and is therefore not subject to a referendum, which is a vote of the people. And so what's interesting in Colorado is if we do not have that safety clause in a piece of legislation, then the people of Colorado can actually hold a referendum on that piece of legislation. And that's what's happened with the national popular vote. Uh, I think that the legislators that passed that, of course, the governor signed it, I think they would have loved to have had the safety clause in there because that would have prevented this referendum that Rose Puglisi, Mesa, Mesa County Commissioner, and Don Wilson, the mayor of Monument, were able to get over 200,000 signatures to ask to get that question on the on the ballot, the national popular vote. And the national popular vote, in essence, Uh, gives our vote and our voice uh, to the big population centers like uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York. Uh, The Electoral College was put in place to uh, make sure that the smaller state, the smaller population states had a voice in uh, the presidential election as well as the big population states. And the national popular vote takes away that vote and that voice that was passed by this legislature, signed by this governor, but because it did not have the safety clause, Rose and Don sprang into action. They got these signatures, and uh, hopefully they will all be verified. They have more than enough, so that this question will be on the ballot in 2020. And uh, so we've seen the safety clause; it was put in for a good reason, but it has actually been abused. And uh, it's funny, you know, that's one of the things that's so funny, Steve, is that there are things that uh, are, are put in because of a good reason, but then you see it abused. Another thing is, is the term fees was never put into Tabor, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. And, uh, it, it, and uh, Tabor basically says, hey, PBIs, uh, politicians, bureaucrats, interest parties, if you want to raise our taxes, if you want to incur debt, or if you want to keep our tax refunds, you just have to ask us and uh, so they use the word tax and so your politicians and everybody started to then institute fees so quickly steve and then i want to get to jason
0: you just got to tip your hat to their creativity
1: (laughs) that's true that's true so hey jason mcbride how are you
2: Uh, if i was any peach here they'd have to nickname me palisade kim i'll tell (laughs) you
1: well it is palisade peaches time here in colorado and they are like candy. So uh, I'm I'm trying to get my box ordered of peaches. So, but uh, it's not been peachy in the market. We've had some rough days. Yesterday the Dow was down 400 points. Uh, what's getting the blame?
2: Well, you know it's been the usual suspects plus a new wrinkle. Uh, the usual suspects Kim, You know, China trade war uh... lemon heads out there crying about uh... recession coming for sure and then uh, jitters about tariffs mm-hmm.
1: well there's nothing new there but are you worried about the possible ten percent tariff on three hundred billion dollars of chinese goods
2: no i'm not worried about it Let let's think about it ten percent of three hundred billion is thirty billion the gdp of our country is eighteen and a half trillion so even if we assume our economy will take the entire full brunt, a 30 billion drag on GDP. Let's do the math, Kim. It's 0.16%. Let me see if I can go to sleep.
1: <laughs> well, that's barely a rounding error. But the news is sensationalizing things a bit, which is not a big shocker. But you said there's another new wrinkle.
2: Well, there is, and it's uh, Argentina, not the song, the country. Uh, the primary went really bad for the conservative incumbent there, and the radical leftist candidate is now expected to win. And, you know, if he does, he's, he's going to undo all the business-friendly and austerity policies. The current guy has tried to in, uh, institute. Uh, he'll turn Argentina into Venezuela if he gets the chance. Uh, their stock market dropped 35% and their currency got whacked 25 percent and all the latin american markets got whacked on this news
1: wow 35 percent in one day and most of our own democrat candidates have a similar agenda let's hope this isn't a preview for us
2: well yeah i know our time's short today kim so tomorrow we can put aside the noise and look what's actually happening in our market in indices so You know, but in the meantime, if you're worried about what might happen with your money, uh, just give us a call at Presidential for a discovery session. Again, no obligation. It's free, 303-694-1600, or check us out at chickspresidential.com. I bet we could help you sleep better at night.
1: Well, Jason McBride, thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: Have a great show, Kim.
1: OK, uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with Wayne Weingarten about this whole electric vehicle mandate.
4: Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news.
3: You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email kim at americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Him at Americhicks.com.
4: Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 9th through Thursday, August 15th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one
2: 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot
4: chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie.
0: You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Monson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on americhicks.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. I'm thrilled to be talking with Wayne Weingarten this morning. He is a senior fellow with the Pacific Research Institute. And you may not realize it while you're going about your life this week, but there is something very important that is happening down at the Air Quality and Control Commission here in Colorado. And it could actually um, affect your freedom of mobility, how you're able to move about as you take care of your family, you, you get to your job, create your business. And so it's important that we have a conversation about this. Wayne Weingarten totally understands this issue. Wayne, welcome.
4: Thanks for having me.
1: You know, Wayne, you had a really important piece in the Colorado Springs Gazette just recently, which I think gives an overview of what is going on. But if people have not read that, Explain it. What is happening out here in Colorado? Uh,
4: effectively, what's happening, while the federal government is lowering the mandates that have been put in place in terms of electric vehicles, mandating how many electric vehicles must be sold, uh, California has an exemption. And Colorado right now uh, is considering taking that California exemption. All states can kind of do the California policy or the federal policy. And if, if Colorado goes forward and does this, what's going to happen is there's going to be mandates on kind of the Colorado market where people have to buy a certain number of electric vehicles or a certain number of uh, hybrid cars. Uh, it, it'll be mandated by the government.
1: Well, and I think that there has been uh, some kind of a deal done with, like, the big uh, automobile dealers uh, regarding um, maybe putting off these mandates just a little bit. However, you know, it's I think it's just pushing a little bit of the the pain down the road a bit. And so this is a very important uh, week for uh, Freedom of Mobility. Here in Colorado, and when you hear the word mandate, uh, you know we talk a lot about uh, socialism. We're trying to help people get their Mm -hmm. brains around socialism because it is being um, romanticized so much. And socialism ultimately comes down to force. And so when you hear the word mandate, that is another word for force. And uh, so we're seeing uh, a a movement by I call them PBIs—politicians, bureaucrats, and interest interest parties to use ultimately force to get you out of your vehicle of choice into the vehicle that they want to choose for you is that too harsh do you think wayne when i put it up that way
4: absolutely not and there's a certain amount of conceit in that force right because they're saying we know like so let's take the goal that we want to have fewer greenhouse gas emissions from kind of motor vehicles and, and, writ large, and all sorts of energy sources, and they're saying these these politicians, these bureaucrats, and uh, I forgot what the I is. Interested CDI, parties. <laughs> they're, they're saying that they know exactly how that needs to be done. They can foresee into the future. And there's so many unknowns when it comes to electric vehicles. And they they're saying we know we know how this market's going to develop. We know uh, what's going to happen with typical cars, what they call ICE or you know internal combustion engines, and there's all this knowledge that they actually don't know, and that's what's actually most terrifying, and that's part of why uh, we went into this report, is that because of all of these unknowns, it's likely that the economic costs are going to be significantly higher than what they're saying. They're actually saying these proposals will have an economic benefit, when in fact, it's going to hurt Colorado's economy and be most painful on those with less income uh, and have, especially those who have long driving distances for work. It's going to uh, possibly even, and this is the, the most ironic part, lead to higher emissions depending upon how these different uh, technologies develop, which we just can't be sure about.
1: Well, in, Wayne, in your important uh, guest column in the Colorado Springs Gazette, you bring bring light to you said the analysis on uh, these electric vehicles. They do not take into account the global emission impact from producing electric vehicles. So let's say you you have you know these policymakers uh, that are are pushing forward policy, but they are not looking at the whole picture. There's something that is disingenuous about that. I was talking to uh, my researcher Patty, and uh, and actually I've had listeners also. Kind of push back and say LEV and ZEV, low emission vehicles and zero emission vehicles. There's really not truth in advertising, if you will, there because they, there are other emissions. There are other factors that need to be taken into. So I think I might start calling them like DD EVs, like, um, Deceitful and, and and to your point that uh, actually they, they can be dirty so they're D D E V S. How's that, Wayne?
4: <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, most of, of the electric vehicles there's a lot of production that happens in countries like China that just don't have the standards that we're going to have in this country, and then there's just the actual production process. And so right now, and that's obviously as of right now, but you have seventy four percent more uh, global you know greenhouse gas emissions that occur from the production of an electric vehicle compared to a combustion engine. So just putting it on the market, right, before it's even been driven, you have 74% more emissions if you buy a, a, a you an know, electric vehicle than in an internal combustion engine. And so the annual lower emissions that, that you get from using the EV, that has to kind of make up that gap, and that takes a long time to make up. And we haven't even talked about, it. and I didn't bring this up in the report either. That often mining the metals, right, the lithium ion, these other uh, resources we need for the batteries, creates environmental environmental damage where those occur, often in Africa, again, Asia. So there's that environmental uh, impact that we have to account for as well.
1: Well, and then also the disposal of these electric vehicles or electric batteries, uh, and we, I, I think, again, the PBIs. They haven't really addressed that. If you're going to push a policy forward, I really think that you need to be honest and look at the whole complete picture, which is what you have done here, Wayne Wine Garden, as uh, to look at the big picture. But, but it is deceitful, I think, in not, not looking at the big picture and then and then not actually bringing that forth, uh, so that everyday people can understand what is really going on. And um, so with that, you had mentioned. Yeah, the, the degrading batteries. Talk a little bit about that because I found that really fascinating, uh, the driving range, getting rid of them. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that, Wayne.
4: Oh, absolutely. I, I think anyone that has a, a mobile phone, right, and it's kind of almost disingenuous to call them phones. They're really mobile computers, right? Mm-hmm. But when you first buy your iPhone, um, the battery life is great. It lasts forever, and then slowly over time, you know, your you charge just doesn't hold the same way. It doesn't operate the same way. And you know, uh, I, at least I know my experience is after two years, you're basically just dragging that phone over the uh, over the finish line, just hoping to uh, to make it. Well, it's the exact same technology uh, in, in the cars, effectively, uh, that's in your phone. So, in the same way that your phone can't hold the same charge over time it's the same thing with the battery. So over time, your electric vehicle, the the amount you can drive is going to come down. Now, the technology is getting better and part of what everyone assumes, which, which may be the case, is that they're going to find a solution to that and that the battery lives will be extended. But again, that's a prediction of something that will come in the future. That's not the technology as it exists today. As it exists today, there is a problem of of, um, the cars not able to uh, hold their charge. Uh, And, and for instance, I think it's the Nissan LEAF where it says, we'll guarantee your your battery, but we're going to guarantee it for eight years, and we're only going to guarantee it to a 75% charge. So if you could get to 100 on the day you bought the Nissan LEAF, we'll only guarantee that you'll get to 75 after eight years, and that's a pretty big drop. And then there's another really interesting issue that, uh, again, it doesn't look like it's been evaluated when we're talking about bringing these standards here in Colorado. Temperature matters. So AAA, I think everyone's familiar with AAA, they've done a study. And what they found is in very cold weather, so you get to 20 degrees out, that the driving range of your car can go down by as much as 41%. So if you live in a cold climate, and, and I've heard it snows in Denver. It does. Uh, it does. <laughs> you, you're going to have actually 41% less driving range during those cold months. And then during the hot months, right, if you get over 95, which when you get into the, the southern part of, of Colorado is relevant, uh, your driving range can go down by 17%. So, again, if you're starting from this emissions deficit, then the efficiency of the car matters tremendously if you can actually have a net positive impact on emissions. And with cold weather and hot weather, the car's uh, efficiency is going to be reduced. And then there's also the question of the car constantly going through hot weather, cold weather. How does that uh, battery hold up? And will its charge kind of degrade even faster under those conditions? And again, there's just unknowns. We don't know. But if the car is more expensive, which it is, now you're actually going to be not helping the environment, and you're going to be hurting Coloradans because they're spending more for a car that's going to give them worse service. They're going to need to buy a new car sooner, and they're not creating the environmental benefit, which is the whole purpose of the policy.
1: It is really a head-scratcher. And my producer, Steve, always brings me back because I think I I hope people that understand I'm a free market girl. If somebody wants to buy an electric vehicle, You know, by all means, please. You know, have the freedom to do that. But what is such a a challenge here is uh, we've had the the carrot, and and now we're coming into the stick. The carrot had been out here in Colorado, Wayne, uh, between the federal uh, income tax credit and the state income tax credit. Somebody could knock off twelve thousand five hundred dollars off their income tax bill, and so that has been a carrot. And that has not worked. People have still said, "I, you know, they vote with their, their dollars when they go to the the dealer to buy the vehicle that works for their lives. And many times that is not an electric vehicle. And I think they need to be able to f- be free to make that choice. But we're seeing these PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties are now going to be moving over into the force side. And socialism ultimately has to come down to force to get people to do what they want them to do. Let's go to break. Uh, This is Kim Munson. I'm talking with Wayne Weingarten, and he is a senior fellow at the Pacific Research Institute, and he, is, he has actually analyzed this whole thing. He has a policy brief on this. It's uh, titled Colorado's Low Emission Automobile Regulation. They call it CLEAR. They always come up with words that people would like. Is, and he did an evaluation of the initial economic impact. And uh, we want to hear what you have to say on that, Wayne. We'll be right back.
3: Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with Remax max Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GRR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping golden retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with RE-MAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show... We'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Ameritix with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to be talking with Wayne Weingarten. He is a senior fellow with the Pacific Research Institute, and he has done a very important analysis, an economic analysis, uh, regarding clear, uh, which I think actually is unclear as I really look at it, uh, Wayne. But it's regarding these uh, low-emission automobile regulations, and uh, they say that it's going to cost people less and it's going to be good for the environment. We talked a little bit about the environment, but is it really going to cost people less?
4: Uh, No. Right now, it actually costs uh, significantly more, and not only does it cost more um, to purchase it, but over time, uh, the the operating cost of an electric vehicle is less. And so one of the talking points that proponents love to put out there is you you may have to spend a little bit more up front, but over time, you're going to save money in the operation. And we actually, we we kind of crunched the numbers uh, that the the, the government is relying on, and it turns out that that's not correct. Uh, That if you take into account that most people can't actually just go out and Put down the twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars it cost a new car that they, they actually finance it because they don't have that much money laying around. Uh, and then uh, you take into those finance costs, and you take into account the difference, right? Because the electric vehicles cost more. That that initial payment you have to do for for that cost means the electric vehicle over the next, you know, two or three years. And in fact, even when you look at what the government did and how they kind of projected forward. Uh, disingenuously I think in terms of what's going to happen with the costs it's still going to cost more to own and operate in total an electric vehicle and that's assuming the electric vehicle is going to last the 10, 11 years that they assume it's going to last if it lasts only 8 years then it's going to cost even more and and based on our calculation you're talking about over $7,000 more uh, right now to buy an electric vehicle compared to an internal combustion engine vehicle, and you only save $661 a year from operation costs. So that's a huge financial deficit. So, effectively, what you're doing is you're putting a huge cost on uh, the, the price of, uh, of cars for um, consumers in Colorado. And it, it, it's so bad you even got my dog wrong.
1: <laughs> I understand. So let's talk a little bit more about that, though. I find it just kind of fascinating in a diabolical way, if you will, that they want to move people out of these internal combustion engines that work for them. And move over to these electric vehicles and, quote, unquote, the cost is going to be less. Now, realize there's a tremendous amount of uh, subsidizing these electric vehicles uh, to try to get into charging stations. And so there's a lot of of taxpayer money that is going into uh, subsidizing and trying to get people into these electric vehicles. But it is going to replace fossil fuels uh, you know, uh, gas at the, at, the, at the gas pump with uh, electricity. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out is if you move all of this demand over to electricity, the costs are going to go up. And then out here in Colorado, in Denver, we basically have a monopoly uh, on our electrical uh, electricity provider in Excel and so you now move the energy source over to a monopoly and create significant demand that is going to create energy poverty if you will for that hard-working mom that's just trying to you know get things together to get the kids you know to school and, and take care of them turn the lights on it's going to increase her costs significantly from what i can see wayne oh absolutely
4: that's- that's something we haven't gotten into yet, but the, the electric infrastructure, there's all sorts of hidden costs of this policy that are going to show up exactly in the way you talked about it. I mean, there's a reason why when people are given the choice, they're not taking electric vehicles. Right? And it's not because they're not cool, because Teslas are very cool, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not because that uh, people don't care about the environment. It's that it's the, the cost for, uh, for families, especially working families, is it, it's just too high. And these policies are what we call as economists regressive, right? It has a much harder, larger impact on families with less income and families with higher incomes. Uh, and so one of the problems in Colorado in terms of this, this idea is the electric grid. Right now, even though um, alternative energy sources are growing as a source uh, for the Colorado energy infrastructure, you still have a higher reliance on coal compared to uh, the the average in the U.S. So first of all, that means that if we switch all of these cars from fossil fuels to electricity, you're actually switching from uh, gas to coal, and that's not a good trade-off. Okay, which that means now we have to rework the entire energy infrastructure in Colorado in order to get. More natural gas, um, possibly nuclear, which most likely wouldn't happen. Uh, then you have the reliability issues of is solar and wind really appropriate here in, in, in Colorado? And, and often that, the answer is no. So you have all of those issues we have to deal with. Okay. Assuming you can get that through, there's a huge cost involved right, to rebuild the, the electric infrastructure. So those are additional costs. that are going to show up in people's utility bills. That's not being accounted for when we're talking about what's the cost of this policy.
1: Well, you know, and another another thing, Wayne, is Excel is closing prematurely a couple of clean coal burning um, uh, coal burning plants here in Colorado. So it looks like this is this is ramping up to. A disaster. I, I think ultimately, I'm working my way through Blueprint Denver, which was uh, passed by the city council this April. And the real movement is is I think not just to get people into electric vehicles, but ultimately to get them onto bikes and uh, walking and uh, onto transit. And so you make this so expensive. You know, that's that's going to move people into those kinds of things, and then that limits their mobility. Then they basically are constrained to just certain different parts of the, the city where they could live. And um, freedom of mobility, I think, is inherent in everyday people being able to thrive and, and prosper and flourish.
4: And, and one of the most important things when you're looking at these policies is – not just evaluating those things that you can see, but also what are those things that are unseen, that we can't perceive. And I think you just brought up a huge issue when you're talking about you limit people's mobility. So now all of a sudden, if more people need to be located in smaller and smaller regions, one, quality of life goes down. And many people don't want to be uh, in an urban environment. Many people do, but others don't. But now you're also increasing your demand for that real estate, which means housing costs are going to be going up. Right. So there's all sorts of ways that you – unexpected with these policies, when you start mandating in one area, or you squeeze that balloon on one side, you don't realize where that air is going to go. And sometimes it goes in unexpected ways, but now all of a sudden your your electricity bills are higher, and all of a sudden your, your housing choices and your housing costs are changing, all because of a policy that you wouldn't necessarily point to but is, in fact – uh, you know, the the cause of policy.
1: Well, and this is all, this whole policy is starting today. There's going to be four days of hearings down at the Air Quality Control Commission. But the public can only make comments uh, today from uh, noon to three or from six to eight in the evening and you know these people uh, you know are supposed to be representing us but instead of representing us we've seen that you know, that the uh, politicians are pushing all this decision making over into these bureaucratic administrative organizations the air quality control commission which they're they are appointed by politicians but then it takes away the accountability and then they don't really want to hear what the people have to say about it they're are are, you know they're focused on on pushing this whole thing through what can we do about it i think it's probably good to show up but what can we do about this um I, i guess the other thing is is certainly look at your issue brief so that you understand the issues but what can everyday people do about this wayne
4: Well, I I think you've got to push back. You've got to let your voices be heard. And, you know, most importantly, there's no reason to rush this through. And I think that's part of the issue and part of what I tried to raise in the issue brief. There's lots of questions that we don't know, and we don't need to rush and get this implemented in the next month, two months. This is so important for people's lives and so impactful on people's lives that it's irresponsible to do this in a rushed manner, to take our time and to fully evaluate what the trade-offs are, and to be honest about the trade-offs. In, in the, and I know they've done an updated uh, analysis, but in the analysis that we've done, when they come out there and they say we can create a you know better environment and increase economic growth, you know, anytime somebody's offering you a free lunch, you know, the question has to be, okay, wh- where's the hidden cost that I'm paying? Because free lunches don't exist. There's going to be a catch somewhere. There's going to be a cost. And if you haven't found it, it means we probably need to be evaluating this more in depth so we have a better idea of of what the impact of this policy is going to be and and how that's going to be distributed. One of the things, you know, PRI, we we spend a lot of time in California. That's our home. And we're seeing our policies get exported. And that's of, of concern to us because California has the highest energy costs in the country, the highest gas cost in the country. It it has a huge cost of living problem. And these are the exact policies that are driving that. And in in California, what we've now seen, and it's much further down the road than where Colorado is, we have a homelessness crisis. We have the highest, when you adjust the cost of living, we have the highest poverty um, in in the country. And we have a huge uh, exodus of people who just can't afford, to live in California anymore, and this is not the type of kind of lesser type of policy we want other states to be uh, to be replicating.
1: Well, that's for sure. California is a beautiful place, but the policies are making it very difficult to live there. So Wayne Weingarten, Senior Fellow with the Pacific Research Institute, thank you so much. And where can people get this uh, very important brief that you've done?
4: Oh, well, you can find that on our website, uh, pacificresearch.org.
1: Okay, great. Wayne, thank you so much.
4: Oh, Thanks for having me.
1: And our quote for today is from Thomas Edison. He says, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.